630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, it's winless in Seattle for the Edmonton Oilers. The Kraken take it tonight. 4-3 is the final. Ryan Nugent Hopkins had two assists for Edmonton. He gets to 500 career points, but the Oilers lose it and drop to 16-6 and on the season. Kraken coming on a little bit. They're 5-1-1 in their last seven. Philip Grubauer makes 29 saves to get the win in net. Stuart Skinner stops 30 out of 34 for the Oilers. His record drops to 2-4 and four on the season. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Heartland Ford, overtime open line from the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Okay, Rob, well, the Oilers, a big rally in the third period to make it exciting and to make it interesting, but again, not a great start to the game. They were scored on 49 seconds into the game, which was actually Seattle's second grade-A opportunity of the game. They had one a few seconds earlier. Uh, it got out of the first period down 2-1. I mean, probably a slight advantage for the Kraken in the first period. But then, uh, I mean, the second period. I mean, to me, that's the, the pivotal part of this game. All the, the Oilers did get a goal. Um, but really, a, a all Seattle in that second period. It was. Well, first, uh, kudos on the Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan uh, <laughs> shout out there in, in your little monologue at the start. I like that. Uh, the uh, When you fall behind... When you're always trying to catch up, games like this happen. You outplay a team in the third period, but you need everything to bounce your way. And they didn't get the bounces in the third period because they put themselves behind the eight ball for what they did in the second period. The first period was fairly even. The Oilers got off to a slow start, then they pushed a little bit more in the second half of the first, and it wasn't a bad first period. But the second period, uh, the score, I think, was completely indicative going into the third. Seattle was twice as good as the Oilers in that period. They, uh, This is a Seattle. I know the Oilers are missing some guys on the back end, but Seattle's missing its top two scores, and it's missing their captain and leader on the back end in Giordano. So there were some big names out of the Seattle Kraken lineup, and they just outworked, outhustled, outbattled outshot in that second period. The Edmonton Oilers had every chance. So uh, the Oilers put themselves in a position where they had to play the perfect third period, and they were close. But at some at some point, uh, when you're chasing games all the time, you're not going to get that bounce or break. And the Oilers, we can look at it and say, well, that one just went off the toe or McDavid has a back door open net or PRV just misses a wide open net. And in the last 30, 40 seconds, they had four or five great chances. Yes, they did. But goals are hard to come by a lot of nights in the National Hockey League. And if you're always searching for one just to tie, you're putting yourself in a tough position. And that's something we've been talking about all season long. The Oilers are a good team coming back from deficits, but eventually they catch up to you. And tonight, an undermanned Seattle Kraken team was able to hold on and get two points. Yeah, and the stats now, when the Oilers score the first goal, they're 9-0. Mm-hmm. And when they allow the first goal... They are seven and six. You'll find most teams. Uh, well, we should check at the end of the year. I would guess by the end of the year, two thirds of the teams in the NHL, maybe more, will be under five hundred when allowing the first yeah. goal. So you know, fair enough. But it's just you know, thirteen times you've been scored on first and nine, and and lately, what are we up to now? I think ten of the last thirteen or something like that. I'd have to double check. So it shows it's, you it's it's happening a lot lately. Yeah, and it shows you when the Oilers score first, they're a very good team because teams have to get out of their comfort zone and open up against the Oilers, and that's where the Oilers can take advantage because they'll they got the counter strike when you're pushing trying to catch the Oilers, the Oilers are going to find those breaks, those odd man opportunities the other way and make you pay. 
And what happens, and this is why we keep talking about this is a dress rehearsal for the playoffs. When you get into the playoffs and you allow the other team to get a lead on you, you're not going to have uh, the, the Coyotes or, or the Red Wings or the Sabres or, or the Kraken. Those aren't the teams you're going to have to come back on. Now you're going to have to come back on uh, Vegas or Calgary or Winnipeg or Colorado. Good hockey clubs. And good hockey clubs, as we see with the Oilers being 9-0, scoring the first goal, they're going to have very good records when they score first as well. That's why the Oilers have got to find a way to come out quicker in hockey games, get the lead in hockey games, get the big save to start games uh, that they haven't gotten for most of the season. This has been a great year. And if there's one thing that you want to look that the Oilers can improve on throughout the final, uh, what is it, 50-some games, it starts to games. That's the one area that they have not been strong to start the year. That's our adjustment of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind down the line. Dreisaitl, Bouchard, and McDavid, the goal scorers tonight for the Oilers. I mentioned the milestone for Nugent Hopkins, which we should touch on. He gets to 500 points, and in this season, I guess it's appropriate he does it with uh, with two assists. He's now up to uh, two goals, or I guess stays at two goals, and 20 assists on the season. <laughs> he has 22 points in 22 games. Uh, he was very good in tonight's hockey game. Uh, there's there's some nights when you're playing with Connor and Leon on the power play, you get an assist, and it's a fortunate assist. You're, you're, you're making a pass, then Leon's doing something special, and he passes to Connor, does something special. Well, a lot of the assists this year that RNH has had, he's been the guy. He's been the prime assist player. And tonight he was again. He was very good in this game, had some great opportunities to score goals, some other plays that just fell short. I thought he and Hyman were probably the two strongest players. They were consistent throughout the game. And good on him, 500 points in his National Hockey League career, all here in Edmonton. Uh, He's found his role. It's not the role I think that many expected when he was the first pick overall, but he's found a role. He is a specialty team specialist that is now starting to get a little more going five-on-five as he and Hyman playing together looked very good tonight. Yeah, and I thought, and I mean, obviously they shuffle things around a little bit for the, the third period, but, you know, it was Nuge, Dreisaitl, and Pugliarvi for part of the game, and then uh, Nuge, Yamamoto, and Hyman in the third period, and I, I thought whenever Nuge and Hopkins was, was on the light, well, on the ice, there were there were second chances, there was uh, there was forechecking, but, uh, I mean, still, not enough uh, push overall as, as a team for the Oilers, and, and again, especially in the second period, just not enough time in the offensive zone. Bouchard got the goal in the second period, the shots were 10-5 for Seattle, so only five shots for Edmonton, uh, Probably that shift and maybe one other where the Oilers kind of had Seattle sort of hemmed in in the second period, but they they really didn't have a lot going. Now, of course, like give the Kraken credit. Uh, they actually allowed, for them, allowing 32 shots is a lot because their average is just over 27.5 coming in, into the game tonight. But, you know, if they can, they, they work hard. They, they, they checked. They they got some bigger guys uh, out there, and they they tried to do this in Edmonton, um, but they I mean they couldn't. But but tonight they were able to execute their game plan. They are they're a physical team, and when you play on home ice and you're physical, and we could hear it through the through the radio and through the TV, place gets loud. And when a place gets loud, then it makes you want to be more physical. And it's an, I don't know if it's intimidating at this level, but it certainly uh, adds intensity adds emotion adds adrenaline to the team that's on home ice and they're physical and it, and it played into them the seattle crack and play into their fans and their fans help their players but they came out again are able to do play the game plan they want because they had the lead 
the Oilers come back, then they got the lead again. Uh, and that, that allows Seattle to play a very tight-checking, physical, rely on their goaltender if there's a breakdown type of game. They didn't have to chase. And I think that was key for Seattle tonight. All right, so speaking of those shots on goal, it is over. And it is a win for Ron on set the line, courtesy River Cree Resort and Casino. Ron's getting a $50 uh, gift card to River Cree, excitement bet on it. I set the line at 29.5 for shots by the Oilers in the game. So they get to 32. Now, the Oilers did have 14 in the first period. And, yeah. and you said, well, Reed, uh, it's going to be there. well over tonight. And then uh, the Oilers were at, I think, about 31 halfway through the third period and were, were coming on. And I said, man, they might they might get to 40. The Oilers actually didn't get it. I think they only got one shot in the last six or seven minutes. Well, and I think had, they only had one shot after the McDavid goal. And they had a six-on-four power play to finish the game. Yeah, that's right. So they, they had an, a lot of pucks around the net but they weren't able to get the pucks on net. A uh, couple missed opportunities, pucks laying real near, right near the crease. But give the, the Kraken credit. They got some big defensemen that are big, they're physical, and they take up a lot of space in front of the net. And tonight, when it got very close at the end, uh, there wasn't a lot of room in the blue paint in front of Grubauer and the Seattle Kraken got a, a well-deserved victory. And face-offs tonight too. Kraken won 55%, and we saw a couple... Big ones. Key, key wins uh, in the third period. Leading the way tonight, uh, Yanni Gord went 12 out of 18. Alex Wenberg went 16 out of 25. A rare night when Leon Dreisaitl is uh, is well below 50%. He took, <laughs> I always laugh at just how many he takes. <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl took 31 face-offs. He won 13 of them. Like, for most players, if you won 13 face-offs in a game, you'd be like, well, that's the best face-off game of my career. But it wasn't for Leon because he, uh, he took 31 of them. And uh, McDavid, who's been having a good year in the circle, was only 5 out of 14. So the, the big edge there to the Seattle, except for Riley Shane, who went 1 out of 11. And he was a guy that the others at one point brought in because he was a good face-off guy. So the three face-off guys that you think would have success tonight, Shane... McDavid and Drysaddle all had off nights. But again, that goes to the battle things that we talked about. The Seattle Kraken won a bunch of smaller battles. And if they're winning the face-off battle with the Edmonton Oilers, 55% of the time they're not chasing Connor and Leon around the ice off the draw. Just saw a beauty. And I know Oilers fans hate it when this player gets complimented, but it was a beauty shootout goal by Matthew Kachuk, the Forsberg reachback style goal, except he hardly had any room to get it between the goalie's glove and the post. Uh, Gibson was was in goal for the Ducks. So the Flames get the uh, 4-3 shootout win over the Ducks. So they are uh, ahead of the Oilers, obviously, in points, but now also in terms of points percentage as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service rentals, or newer new semi-trailers, head to EdmontonTrailer.com. The Golden Knights all over the Coyotes tonight. 7-1 is the final in that one. Mark Scheifele gets a hat trick as the Jets dump the Devils 8-4, and the Rangers beat the Sharks 1-0. Also at uh, Rogers Place tonight, Oil Kings hat trick from Dylan Gunther. Caden Gooley gets two assists in his Edmonton debut. Oil Kings beat Medicine Hat 8-2. 7 o'clock tomorrow against Moose Jaw. The uh, Teddy Bear Toss game last. I heard this afternoon, over 12,000 tickets sold, so hopefully That's awesome. uh, even more. And uh, if you bring two Teddy Bears, they'll break the record easily. 16,491. If everybody brings two, at least and, bring one. And, and, uh, I mean, you got to throw it. If anybody hasn't seen it, 
if you're not up, able to go to the game, at least watch the video of it. It is unbelievable watching all of these teddy bears rain down on the ice. All right, and uh, first ever Canada West Conference meeting between the U of A Golden Bears and the McEwen Griffins, and it was uh, 5 nothing for the U of A Golden Bears. That is your Edmonton trailer scoreboard. Oilers lose 4-3 to the Seattle Kraken. I'm going to call it the biggest win in Kraken history. <laughs> I guess the first one would be pretty big. Well, actually, they've had, well, uh, before the game they showed, they just had a road trip where they, they beat Florida, they beat Washington. Did they beat Tampa as well? I think the, through their last four games, they, they went on that road trip. They won against some very, very good hockey clubs. They're playing very good now. Uh, they started off terrible. They lost to Tampa 3 nothing. They beat Florida and Buffalo and Carolina. Oh, so they beat. Oh, Car- Carolina was at home, but still. They and they beat. Wa- I believe they beat Washington. They, they lo- so the road trip was they lost to Tampa Bay. They beat Florida. They beat Buffalo. Lost in overtime to Detroit. They beat Washington and Carolina at home uh, before they went out on the trip. So yeah, they're they're doing they're doing better lately. Um, I mean, their problem was what they only had one win in their previous ten games, nine games. Well, they were having goalie issues. Their goaltenders weren't given the games they needed early in the season. Uh, Grubauer has started to play better. He was very good in the game tonight yep. for, for the crack. And if they get good goaltending, uh, they can stay in games. And uh, they're, they're a fun team to watch. They, they are tenacious. They are, there were some big hits in this hockey game. And actually, the biggest hits of the night, the Kraken were good physically, but the biggest hits of the, t- the night were from uh, Niemelainen. Yep, Niemelainen, yep. Niemelainen. He, uh, he's impressed in the couple of games that he's played for the Oilers coming up. I mean, there had to be a lot of injuries for him to get up here. But he's here playing. He's big. He's physical. He looks like uh, uh, an Adam Larson wannabe where he just he'll shut things down with his size and his physicality. I thought he had another strong game. The And look, we know that's with some of these, it, the, uh, the real-time stats they're called. Sometimes they're... For, well, first of all, they're more difficult to track. For when you're, if you're trying to, well, was that a block shot or a save? I mean, oh. sometimes was it going wide or not? But anyway, at Climate Pledge Arena, they gave Marcus Niemelainen credit for seven hits out of the Oilers' 16 tonight, and he was credited with five the other night. Yeah, so I, he's he's willing to step in there and hit. Well, the difference between his hits and most other players, he hits and they're punishing. Yeah, well, he, one might have been a <laughs> that should have been a knee, probably a knee, but it was a still. knee. It was quick. It should have been a knee, but. He well, I think it was Donato that he hit, and he thought it was a knee as he laid on the ground looking at the referee. But he he's physical and uh, he plays with aggression, and that is what you want in your third pairing. You want a guy that's tough to play against. And so far in the games that we've seen him play, he's been tough to play against. All right, Oilers fall five. I'm uh, sorry, four three to the Seattle Kraken. So a three hundred dollar donation to six thirty Chad Santa's anonymous from James H Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. James H Brown giving a hundred bucks for every Oilers goal throughout the season. So three hundred tonight. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is how you reach us we're going to kick off the phone calls with jason tonight jason thanks for listening thanks for calling go ahead yeah no hey guys how are you guys good good hey uh just wondering uh uh yamo on the first line do you think that was uh because he is from uh, that area and stuff or do you think he uh brought something the last game i think it's a combination of both i thought he was 
very good when he was t- teamed up with Connor last game in the third. I think it was the third period yep. that he played. Uh, created some opportunities. He looked, played well. He had some jump in his game. So I think they like that. And then I think as a coaching staff, you try to see any way that you can find a way that or find a something that you feel a gut feeling and i think he had a gut feeling yeah moto's going home he's gonna have i think it was like 60 people in the stands maybe he's gonna have a big night so he gave him that opportunity and i think that's why he started there okay uh one more question there too guys um do you think it was a little too late for tips to put the big guys back together uh, later um, on in the, well it's in funny that, yeah that well yeah jason I'm, I'm gonna ask you this question because we get so many complaints about <laughs> Tippett's coaching, yeah. and a lot of nope. it centers around, oh, well, he can't play those guys together. Oh, why did he split them up? So I want to know what you think in, in general about together or apart. Well, um, I, I like the first two lines that they had, um, and Pooley-RV with uh, McDavid and uh, Hyman, and then you got Dreisaitl, Nuge, and Yamo, I mean, right there, uh, I think that would have worked. But uh, uh, you know what? Maybe because I, I don't see Tips doing this all the time. And then, eh, I don't know, as an Oilers fan, you kind of just like, why didn't you just keep them together right from the get-go? Well, it, right. yeah. it, it's funny, though. It, we, we'll see there after every game where the Oilers don't win. The, the first they'll either say why were Connor and Leon together or why weren't they together there's half the half the Edmonton population thinks they should play together all the time and half thinks they should always have their own line um to me it, it's the Oilers prefer them to play apart they prefer them to have two different lines which is better when you start playing the better teams because they have more depth but they will always use it. Tippa will always use it as, okay, we need goals. We're down two. We're going to throw them together. And you see what happens when they play together and there's a push in a period. Every time they're on the ice, it was a goal-scoring opportunity. So uh, the Oilers have played them to start games with them together, and they haven't had yep. great nights. So I like what he does. He, he just he tries to find who's playing well, and if they play well, they'll roll them all night long. If they don't, and they weren't tonight, the, through the first 40 minutes they weren't, that's why he put his two superstars together. Right, right. No, I appreciate this, guys. You have a great night, and uh, have a good one. Okay, see you, Jason. Thanks for calling. That is Jason on the hotline, presented by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty, pro all the way. You know, Rob, I think, Mm -hmm. and I'm guilty of it, when I go to Oilers practice or the morning skate, I often will record the lines. I'll often post them on Twitter, say, hey, here are the lines. And I'll actually, I'll look up your Twitter to see what you post. But I, but I usually don't, A, because uh, I don't know, I don't have as as in-depth technical knowledge of hockey as you do. Uh, and and B, just because it might be confusing after a while, I don't post every little thing that they do in a drill or what are they working on. Now, sometimes I'll see something in a drill and then in a game I'll be like, oh, they were working on that mm-hmm. in practice. But it, 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 when I'm watching it at practice, I didn't realize the significance of it. That's probably more <laughs> important than the line comedy. Like, I think... I just want to. I just want to throw this out. Now, you and I have kind of talked about this before. Like, obviously, the line combinations are important. Who's playing with who is important. But I, I wonder too if, if I, as a media person, and maybe some fans, like we overemphasize it because it's simple and it's out there, 
and it's easy to see. Whereas really, like, if the Oilers' top six forwards are playing well, it should work in almost any combination. Yeah, you're, you're right. And it is much easier to talk about line combinations. It's something you can talk about before the game even starts. It's easier than saying, okay, tonight I think the Oilers should be in a 1-2-2-4 two, two, check. Yeah. Or the Oilers should play a swarm defense, or they should be a box plus one. Because most people don't know the terminology. And in all honesty, a lot of fans really don't care about that. They just want to see the team win and, and play well. But I'll, we'll talk more about the lines as soon as we hear the coach here. Here's Dave Tippett. Mm. We're chasing it towards the third. We got it back to 2-2. Two, two. I thought we were right, and then we give up a tough third one there. Uh, you know, some good. We pushed a lot in the third, some good. We uh, we didn't do enough to win, though. Probably turnovers for your liking, I would imagine. Yeah, a little bit. A couple too many penalties and too many turnovers, so it would be... That would be uh, areas that we could fix that are on us, not on them. Your, your defense has been asked to do a lot with these top, with four, you're missing four regulars. Do you, do you think tonight maybe it caught up with the, with you guys a little bit compared to other games? Hard to say. Hard to say. You're try, you, there's no excuses. You, we're, we're competitive in the game. We're hanging in there. You know, I think there's probably a couple that Skins would like to have back. We had some opportunities, had some opportunities in the power play, didn't capitalize on. So we shot ourselves in the foot a couple times, but that being said, we're right in the game, right till the end. You like some of the adjustments you made in terms of changing up those pairings late in the third? You're just chasing the game. You're trying to find something, right? You're trying to, trying to find something that works. So. All right. All right. Uh, short and sweet there from... Dave Tibbet. And there was a great example. He answered what, what the caller was just talking about, about line combinations. He said, we just switched some things up looking for something that will work. Yeah. We're chasing a game. And I know from experience, I, I, I whenever you go to a practice, you always, the first thing you do, especially when you're not the star, because the star really doesn't care what jersey he's getting because it more or less is <laughs> star He knows on the he's back. on the first he, line. Yeah. He gets to pick which color he is. <laughs> the rest of us, we go in there, and I swear, the first thing you do is look to see Okay, what jersey am I? Okay, see your color, then you look around the room. Okay, who am I playing with? Who am I playing with? And uh, there, sometimes there's a smile, and sometimes there's a, uh, okay, that's going to have to work my way up from this one. But players also realize that where you start is usually not where you finish. And I, I, I remember my, my rookie season, I started a game. Me, Mario, and Charlie Simmer were a line, opening face-off. Stood on the blue line for the national anthem, opening face-off. Went out there, and it was a normal shift. Nothing happened, positive or negative. And Charlie and I never got another shift the rest of the night. And it was so much in the second period of the game, Charlie Simmer looks at me and goes, 428. And I'm like, 420. You have 428 goals? He goes, nope. There's 428 lights hanging from the arena rafters. He had counted them. And I spent the rest of my night counting them too. So who was your coach? Uh, I don't even know who it would have been. I think it was Pierre Kramer that year. I think so. Whatever year you Charlie see, and I played. Nothing bad happened nothing in the bad shift. Nothing bad happened in he the just, shift. Uh, he just didn't push on Nope, again. never got another. We started starting lineup. And I was excited. I'm playing Charlie Simmer, this great from L.A. who got traded to us. Mario <laughs> and me, one shift. And then the rest of the night, Charlie and I sat and counted lights in the old Igloo Arena. <laughs> I tell you, you got a lot of time on the bench. You got to find things to do. That's so. amazing. He did that. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, but okay. The co- and the coach never said you nope. guys are done. 
Nope, I mean, obviously said by the second period, you'd figured it oh, out. Oh, yeah. We, we'd figure it out. Okay. And then we're like, I don't want to play anymore because my feet are tired. <laughs> my legs are like rocks. I'm like, I don't want to go out there. But, yeah, it, it's a long night after the first shift all the way through. That's like three hours sitting there. Yeah. He told me a lot of L.A. stories and stuff. He was married to a Playboy Playmate at one point. It was, I learned a lot about Charlie that night. It was a good storytelling night for me. I got paid a lot of money to sit and watch the Pittsburgh Penguins play. That's amazing. We should have a good story here. I believe Derek was at the game tonight. Derek, how are you doing? I'm doing real good. How are you? Yeah, how's Seattle? Seattle, it's fun. Cool. I'm going to start off by saying Monday morning I have a doctor's appointment, though. I got to see how how many of these horseshoes I got up there because it seems like whenever the Oilers are in Phoenix, I'm at the game. I'm down there trucking. Or if I'm in Seattle, the Oilers are in town. It's quite the coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good for you. <laughs> is, it a, is this a coincidence or is this a pre-planned coincidence? <laughs> well, I don't want to say it's pre-planned, but it's it's somewhat orchestrated. <laughs> uh, orchestrated. That's a that's a nice I, I, word to use. Well, I drove. I, I would have went to the game in Vegas, but I was you know a little bit hesitant. I'm like, oh, I better not gamble and. <laughs> I stop in Vegas. I'm gonna go to the game. Then I'm gonna gamble. So I just drove through, and they ended up winning. How how but is like, how is the arena in Seattle? What do you think? It's loud. Oh, good. Not crowd like crowd wise it was loud, but just it was loud. It's it's a nice arena. It looked pretty cool. The the two they have two big scoreboards over the middle of the ice. That looked pretty neat. My first my first thought was it's not as nice as Edmonton's, but. Right, fair enough. Cool. Well, th- uh, yeah. What's on your mind, game-wise? Game-wise, giving up, giving up that first goal, and always, always chasing, and always coming from behind. I don't, uh, I don't like it. I don't know what, what the answer is. I know that first goal from Larson was a bad angle shot. It was somewhat of a weak goal, but what are your guys' thoughts on that? Like, what? Well, it's Adam Larson. You can only hope to contain him. That guy is he's known for his <laughs> offensive ability. Uh I, I honestly I think it surprised Skinner, that goal. I, I just don't think that he I mean Larson's not known for his offense. He's got so many great attributes. Offense isn't one. I think he surprised Skinner, and Skinner probably would want that one back. It wasn't a great angle, it was short side. Uh but you're right, the Oilers were chasing in a game and they chased too many times and you eventually you're gonna run out of good bounces. And the Oilers, yeah. the Oilers in the third period, by by far the better team in the third period. It wasn't even close. They tilted the ice. Well, we, but we you need bounces. Come back in the third. We can't keep coming back in nope. the third period. No, you we can't. Can't, can't come. Can't be like, oh, okay, we're the third's coming up. We'll we'll get it there. We, you know, you don't let in that first goal. We're going to a sh- we're going to overtime. Well, if the Oilers get a lead in this game, it forces Seattle to get out of their game plan. And Seattle never had to. When you have a lead, you can stay in your uh, strict checking, good forecheck, be physical type of game. And they were able to do that. They didn't have to trade chances with the Oilers because they had the lead. And I think that's where the Oilers uh, lost an opportunity by coming out a little slow and not forcing the Seattle Kraken to get out of the game plan that they had. Yeah, I think we get one of the go-ahead goals, and then Seattle has to they have to change their game plan, and then. You know, you reverse the roles, and I think it's all. Of course, it's a different outcome of the game. Yeah. Hey, Derek, thanks, man. Enjoy Seattle. It's a great city. You bet. Thank you. Take care. That is Derek on the 13 hotline.
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't pin this one on, on Skinner. No. Nope. I mean, sure, you'd like that stopped. I mean, but the, goal, the goalies always think they should have stopped everything, <laughs> yes. generally, right? I mean, oh, three on, oh, well, I could have read it. I could have got over there and stopped it. Uh, he made some... He made some good. He made three really good saves in the third, and the Oilers came up with two really good penalty kills. And uh, you know, Grubauer, I guess if you just look at the goaltending, he was uh, he was one save better. He made some good stops. Well, as well. It, it, yeah, Skinner probably wants the Larson one back, but you think, okay, maybe he he, he doesn't let that win in, but. If you're Skinner, you're thinking, well, you know, the first goal, we give up a three-on-two 40 seconds into the game. The third goal, Cassian turns the puck over outside the blue line. The fourth goal, Russell turns the puck over inside the blue line. So mistakes were made before the other goals happened against him as well. So it's not all on Skinner. The Oilers were sloppy at times, especially in the first 40 minutes, and then got a little sloppy in the third period where... The Oilers pressed and pressed and pressed, and all of a sudden Seattle had, as you said, two or three grade-A scoring chances where the, the Oilers got a little uh, lazy in their own zone. And the one time, I can't remember, I think it might have been Gord, came in by himself as the Oilers got a little lost defensively, and Seattle Kraken had a wonderful opportunity to extend the lead. Yeah. That was Skinner's best save of the night. Well, and the Oilers, like, tips it too many. You can't, you can't take two penalties so it's a 20-minute period to try to win the game, and you're giving away four minutes where you're and those not were score. and they were silly penalties. Yeah. The Yamamoto came up high. No, it probably wasn't a hit to head, but it was a late hit because when yeah, it was hit, interference. It was interference. It was a right call. You can't. You don't need to make that. You're all over Seattle. Don't take away any momentum. He took away two minutes, and then again, Fogel. It it wasn't a, a slew foot type thing, but again, he went. After the puck was gone from behind and threw a hip. And now, went low on the guy. And maybe, uh, I can't remember who, Dunn, Dunn maybe sold it, but he sold the penalty. I still thought it was Yeah, a I agree. It was a penalty that he might have embellished a little bit, but it was still a penalty. You don't well, need to do that. Well, and the refs watching those yeah. two guys. Because they had already they almost, gone at it. They almost fought. I mean, they basically were fighting with their gloves on yeah. for a couple of seconds because they were swinging each other. So, so refs are going to watch that. So time. what you don't want to do is you don't want the, to give the rep- referees an opportunity. And at that point, they did. They gave the 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 refs gave the were given the opportunity. They made two calls, and that four minutes of uh, play that the Oilers had been carrying were now taken away from them as the Seattle Kraken, who have a pretty good power play and created some chances on their power play. Kraken win at 4-3. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village goal light on 630Ched.com. Japanese Village, try the legendary Wagyu steak. Cook before your eyes. Reserve now at JV Edmonton. Oh, my goodness. Uh, JP, usually he calls Saturday nights, I believe, but no Saturday game this week. So we got JP on a Friday night. What's going on, buddy? Well, I might be a little confused because typically, (laughs) like you were saying, I'm a Saturday guy. But who are we kidding? I'm a weekend guy. I'm a weekend guy. So first off, how are you guys? It's been a long time, no chat. Yeah, no, we're doing well. It's nice to hear from you. What do you think tonight? Well, I'll tell you what I have to think tonight. I'm I'm pissed off. I'm not, I've had a few drinks, you guys. That's a no-brain. <laughs> That's a no-brain. Or you know this when you answer my phone call. I guarantee there has to be at least at least about a five-sec delay. But you know what, you guys? I'll tell you right now. Let's get down the brass back. There's something about this team. is close. It's close to explode. Because for a for a long time, long time, uh, we're playing Seattle. We'll take it easy. 
it's not the not the case anymore. They kind of had this attitude on I ah we're in Seattle, take it easy, ooh, easy, easy. They came out after not playing too bad. But my point of the phone call and uh, Rob, I want to uh, I want your expertise on this as a as a as one of the greatest goal scorers in NHL history. <laughs> I want you you play with Mario. Mario comparable to Connor. Was he ever? I want to hear your response before I have to rebut that. If you don't mind, I'm taking time. Did he ever get a little greedy saying, hey, we do it this way. No more being cute. Pass off, pass off. Because in my opinion, this is what I'm saying. Connor needs to be a little more greedy. Nah, we do it my way. That's it. That's all. Follow me path. He's busting his, you know what, every night. I'm not trying to come down on him, but he's also at the same time. Ah, pass, pass, be cute, be cute. There's a lot of opportunity. He could just, ah, you know what? Be greed. Be greedy. Get to the bench and tell the boys, now follow my path. You know what I mean? Just, hey, I did this tonight. Look at me. I'm the great. Come there. Did Mario ever do this? Hey, boy. Come on, Ralph. I can only say you have so much. I mean, goodness <laughs> All right. Okay, JP. Get... Well, th- thanks, buddy. That was, I, as always, for getting down to brass tacks. You, oh, know, you know what he's asking. Yes, I, I mean, all great leaders uh, eventually take charge, and they, they, they force their team to follow them. Um, in Pittsburgh, it took a while for Mario to become that leader. I think the trade of Brian Trotche to Pittsburgh helped propel Mario into the leader that he became, the one that led them to Stanley Cups. I think that uh, sometimes leaders just like to lead by example. They don't want to use their voice as much. Uh, I don't know what it's like in the dressing room, whether Connor is a vocal person or not. He doesn't strike me as one. Normally he leads just by what he does on the ice. As for being greedy, I think Connor is more greedy now when it comes to shooting the puck. There was a time where everyone in the National Hockey League knew that when he had a puck on a 2-on-1, he was going to pass it. Now you're seeing him shoot. There was times on the power play, he'd walk off the boards and he was looking to give the puck to someone else. Now he's walking off the boards and he's firing it on net. He was up at one point near the top of the league in shots. So he has become more greedy. And uh, there are times he still passes that he could... I mean, the other day he had a two-on-one with Hyman and he, he passed it and Hyman scored. But Connor McDavid could have shot that one as well and had just as much an opportunity to put the puck in the net because he can shoot that good. Connor, Connor, the way he plays and the way Leon plays and the way Darnell Nurse play, they play to win games now. And I think that they've always enjoyed the individual accolades, but they want to be known as winners. And I think you can see that in the way they carry themselves on the ice, in games, on the ice, in practice, off the ice, the way they train. So I do believe that Connor and Leon and Nurse are becoming the leaders that are trying to show them the right way to do things so that they become a championship hockey team. All right, Oilers lose 4-3 to the Seattle Kraken. You're going to hear from Nuge, who got career point number 500. Jamie is up next on the Certainty Hotline. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. No stick in front to Geeky. Oh, what a save! Made by Skinner. Got it with a glove. Morgan Geeky got the pass right in front of the net. He was wide open. All right, that's Stuart Skinner's save of the game, courtesy Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Skinner stops 30 
tonight, but the Oilers lose 4-3 to the Kraken, so Skinner's record drops to 2-4 and four on the season. Philip Grubauer gets the win for the Kraken. He goes to 7-9-2. and two. The Kraken now 9-13-2 on the season. The Oilers drop to 16-6, and six, and they start a six-game homestand on Sunday. Nugent Hopkins with career point number 500 tonight. Here he is. Um, yeah, I mean, we knew that coming into this building, they, they were going to have energy, and um, I thought in the second, uh, maybe they, uh, I don't know, not maybe outworked, but they just had a little more life than we did, and then the third, we had a good push, and um, clawed our way back a little bit, but uh, just a little, uh, a little short there, but I mean, uh, overall, it was a pretty solid game, I mean, Skinzy made some big saves to, to keep us in it late, and um, obviously, you want to you want to tie that one up late, but um, unfortunately, uh, they got the extra. Defense is you know missing a lot of guys. They've been asked to do a, a lot in these last few games. Did you feel like it was maybe a, a kind of a tougher slog for them tonight? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I thought they did a great job. Um, obviously, uh, this team puts a lot of pressure on them, and um, as forwards, you, you try to help them out as much as you can by holding them up and uh, giving them quick outs. But, I mean, overall, I thought uh, they did a good job of handling the uh, uh, um, fast forward check. This Kraken team is a hard-working team. They're going to make a work for everything they have, I guess. Is that, is that kind of the case today? They, they just didn't get off the pedal? Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we expect that, um, especially coming in here. Uh, they showed that last time we played them at home. But... Um, coming in here for the first time, I mean, we've uh, we've heard it's, uh, um, and we we saw it firsthand tonight. It's uh, it's loud building. They get a lot of energy from their fans, and um, uh, they built off that. So I mean, I thought we did a pretty good job of uh, weathering the weathering the storm a little bit, but um, overall, it's tough not to get that last one. Feeling that the flipping of the lines there maybe helped you guys in the, in the third get back into it a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean maybe. I mean it's uh, it's hard to say. Obviously, uh, we we talked as a group in the in the room, and um, I think whoever was going with who was going to uh, go out and uh, make a push. And um, sometimes it uh, uh, you can shake things up like that, and it helps too. I know you'd rather have it in a, a win, but uh, hitting the 500 point uh, milestone, what? Uh, you know, that says to you about your longevity in the league and your success with the Oilers. Um, yeah, I mean, lucky to have played with some great players and uh, been a part of the Oilers the whole time. So uh, definitely happy to, uh, to deal with, it, uh, with these guys. All right, that is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Gets uh, an assist on the dry settle goal, gets an assist on the... Bouchard goal that got him to 500. Bouchard had a goal and an assist tonight. Goal and assist for Drysital. Goal and an assist for McDavid. But those numbers do not add up to two points tonight as Seattle wins at 4-3. We'll go back to the Certainty Hotline. We have Jamie. Hey Jamie, thanks for calling. Hey guys, uh, I got a question for Rob. Um, Rob, you played with the Pittsburgh Penguins back in the in the early 90s there. And they were very offensive, like the Oilers. Um, can you tell a team, and it, uh, can you tell a team like that to play a counterattack type game? And and I'm just curious, what 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 do you have to say about that? And it, can you can you even go there with a team like the Oilers and tell McDavid and Drysaitel? sit back and just wait for a mistake or is that is that a mistake as a strategy well i don't think the others want to do that i think the others want to be an aggressive team i think they want to get in on the four check i think they want to be the team that's the aggressor 
Uh, I think the we've seen in games where the Oilers have counterattacked. Uh, Pittsburgh was a great example where the Penguins would have uh, a considerable amount of time in the offensive zone. There'd be one bobble or bounce, and then the Oilers would counterattack with a, a two-on-one, or they got a partial breakaway and they scored that way. But that is a recipe for success. That is not a recipe for success because you're getting hemmed in a lot. You're you're spending too much time in your own zone, and we saw that tonight. Teams like Seattle can take advantage of it. The Oilers in the third period tonight were the aggressors. They just pushed and pushed and pushed, and the Kraken couldn't keep up. So that's how the Oilers want to play. Now, you can't play that way for 60 minutes. The other team is going to have momentum changes, but if for the Oilers to be successful, they've got to be in a team that pushes the pace because the Oilers have more talent than most teams, and they got to take advantage of that by being a team that is strong on the forecheck, that has offensive uh, zone time. So that's the goal of the team. Just really quick, Rob, did any coaches back in that era when you guys had that team, uh, did any coaches like come in and say, you know, we're going to sit back a little and we're going to wait for mistakes before we attack? Did, did they ever say like... I, I honestly, I've... I've never played for a coach that's done that. Um, but I mean, I played for guys like Ken Hitchcock, who it was all out for check. They used to talk about the fact that when you're playing in the other team's end, that's a long way from your, your zone. So if you make a mistake in the offensive zone, they still have to go 200 feet to make you pay for it. Um, teams that would play the way you're talking about when I played was the New Jersey Devils, uh, when they were a very... Uh, defensive-minded team. When the San Jose Sharks came in to the league, they played that style. Expansion teams. Normally, the teams that try to wait for mistakes are teams with less skill because they know that they can't be aggressive because they're not going to win that game, so they wait for you to make mistakes. Teams that have skill, they want to push the pace, and that's what the Oilers have. Yeah, yeah, interesting question, but I think that I, I don't know if a coach would ever specifically say, "Okay, like just don't, don't, don't press." We'll just. Well, no, there would be. If you look at some of the expansion teams, they would have a. They would. Right. I guess some teams would have a more defensive mentality. And, and they would. And they would no forecheck. They would stand in the, in the neutral zone and wait to trap you. And that's a trap is what this gentleman's talking about. That was the counter strike. Okay, we're gonna let them come to the neutral zone. We're gonna push them to one side of the ice and trap them there. And if they turn the puck over, that's how we're going to create our scoring chance. But the teams that did that were the teams that were near the bottom of the league or the teams with less talent, and especially expansion teams. They would do that, and that's how they, they try to beat you 2-1. Yeah. And the Oilers don't want to beat – they want to beat a team 5-1 because they have the ability to do that. Yeah, well, but the Oilers got in trouble tonight, to me, not by cheating for offense. I mean, a couple of the turnovers were – it, on their own half of the yes. center ice. But but again, it was the, the Russell one, I think, I think he just fumbled the puck. Mm-hmm. The Cassian one is trying to create something that wasn't there. He's trying, it, it, and I, I, I say it all the time, and I probably should stop using the same, but it's risk-reward. So the reward for Cassian making the pass he was trying to, he was going to hit his centerman five feet from his own blue line. That was the reward. And he had to do a flip pass in the risk, happen. Yeah. The risk, it's a saucer pass through a Seattle player that if it gets turned over, He's going back the other way with numbers. So that it wasn't worth the reward. He did, Cassian, the simple play, bounce it off the boards, let his centerman skate into it, and then they just dump the puck in. That's what he should have done. Uh, he didn't, and because of that, Seattle got a great scoring chance and put it in the net. Yeah. 4-3 Seattle. 
wins it tonight. Uh, just some, I, I gave some of the point stats. Uh, plus, minus, uh, tough one for Tyson Berry. Minus three. Uh, Chris Russell goes minus two. They did play a lot. Berry played 25-13. Russell played 22-36. Nima Linen played 13:39, so a little more tonight. Uh, Broberg was only out for 12:20. Broberg, uh, again, th- there's there's somebody there. I mean, the guy can skate. Now, also, we saw a couple times where it's like, whoops, r- r- wrong decision <laughs> or in the, in the wrong place. But he made that one rush where McDavid was skating right beside him, but Broberg. Then all of a sudden, matched him stride for stride, and we're like, "Well, why? But why didn't he give McDavid the puck?" And then he set up dry side. Was that even the, better? Was play, that was the one? Play. Was that the one where then the the pass went to McDavid, and it was almost a tap in, but the Seattle player got his. It was Larson. Skate on. Larson got yeah. his skate on. It, uh, yeah, the the play that we all thought he should make was McDavid. He decided to make the better play, which was to dry sidle, and it and it were almost worked out perfectly. Uh, Bro, there is something there with Broberg. There is now. The one thing when you're a, a big fast skating defenseman coming into the National Hockey League, sometimes your feet go faster than your mind. Right. And I think right now he's just trying to learn things that he could do in the minors. Well, you can't do it up here. You have to do it quicker. And it's just time. I mean, he's got how many games has he played in the National Hockey League now? What's Broberg up to? Was this six? So was, yeah, this was six. It, it, it takes time for, for him to be able to do that. But the the size and the speed are God-given, and he's got both of those. So he's going to be a very good hockey player here in, in Edmonton. And uh, the Oilers have got some good depth players coming up. And, this, and again, injuries suck. They really, really do. But the Oilers are getting uh, – it's almost like an audition with these young players of which players are capable of playing come trade deadline, come playoffs. Do we need to pick anyone else up? Do we have enough depth on the back end? You always want to have depth going into a playoff run because there's going to be injuries. Well, the Oilers' young players have played very well, and I think it's given the coaching staff and the general manager uh, a good idea of what they're capable of doing. McLeod uh, played 729. Fogel, 934. Cassian only played 848. He wasn't out there uh, a lot tonight. Shots on goal. Nugent Hopkins had... Five. I mentioned the seven hits for Nima Line, and, and we did the face-off stats earlier uh, for the Kraken. Dunn played twenty-one forty-three. Very good. Very good defenseman. Larson played twenty-one forty-eight. He so played. He played well. He, although five block shots for Larson. Dumb penalty at the end. I know that's the way Larson plays, but he. I mean, that was obvious. That was a cross check to the face of Leon Drysaddle in a one-goal lead. He gave the Oilers a six-on-four to end the hockey game. And the hard part for the Seattle Kraken is Larson would probably be their best penalty killer, too. Uh, I am sure he was holding his breath in the penalty box. All right. Uh, Oilers fall 4-3 in Seattle. You'll hear from Tyson Berry when we get back to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Nugent Hopkins comes in on the left wing. There's a little button hook top of the circle. He'll get the pass to McDavid back to Nugent Hopkins across. Dreisaitl scores! Leon Dreisaitl with a one-timer. And this game is tied at one. Well, that was back in the first period. Power play goal for the Edmonton Oilers. They were one for four on the power play tonight. They're 
penalty kill continues to be very good as well. They were 4-4 four for four on the PK, but Seattle wins it tonight, 4-3 over the Oilers. Dreisaitl with his 21st there from Nugent Hopkins and McDavid. Bouchard got his 4th and McDavid his 16th on a deflection in the 3rd. Tons of pressure from the Oilers in the 3rd period. After having only 5 shots in the 2nd period, they got 14 in the 3rd, got 1 goal, but could not tie it up as Seattle. Uh, you know, overall, better than Edmonton, especially in the second period. That was uh, the key to the victory this evening, I think. Let's go back to Climate Pledge Arena. Here's Tyson Berry. Uh, Tyson, just, I guess your impressions of the game here today, just uh, come back for a little short. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. I don't think we want to put ourselves in a position where we have to come back. Um, this was uh, just a, a bit of a disappointing one. I think we, we didn't play our best tonight, so um, yeah, I, I think we'd like to uh, to just be to be better in a lot of areas. Young blue line, uh, obviously they're, they're they're trying to find their way back. How did you how did you feel that the young guys were? I, I thought I thought they were good tonight. I didn't think that was uh, I didn't think that was an issue at all. So um, yeah, I think it was a lot of other you know parts of our game, and um, you know they got some some goals there in the second, and uh, we we just couldn't couldn't pull it off in the third. We had some chances, but uh, like I said, you don't want to be chasing it. You guys have been asked to do a lot as defensemen with four regulars out of the lineup. Do you think maybe tonight it was a little bit cha- more challenging or it was a little bit tougher slog for you guys as a collective group? Uh, I don't think so. I think it was the, just the way the game went a little bit. They had, yeah, I, I don't know. There's some, you know, uh, just some mistakes on our end, whether it's, you know, missing a guy or, or turning a puck over, whatever it is, and ends up in the back of your net. So I think that's, uh, that's on all of us, and um, I don't think it's anything... I thought uh, young guys on, on deep played well tonight. Did uh, Seattle do about the same thing they did when you were in Edmonton, the way they played, or was there sort of a different approach by them? Tonight? No, I think they've established an identity, and they're a hard-working team, and they're going to, you know, they're not going to take many chances. They're going to try to, uh, you know, play it tight and play it hard, and I think that's what they did, and they capitalized on their chances. There was a bit of a change in the third period in the way you guys played and getting a little bit closer, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I think anytime you're, you're chasing, you know, you're a little more uh, active and, you know, you're pushing to play a little bit more. So I think there was definitely some of that. But, um, yeah, I, I think, they, you know, they started the game and they kind of took it to us early and it took us a minute to adjust. So, um, yeah, we've got, got, we got to be better than that. All right, that's Tyson Berry after the Oilers lose 4-3 to the Seattle Kraken. So Edmonton's record is now 16-6. and on the season now after the uh, win against the penguins a couple nights ago was talking about how the oilers led the nhl in points percentage well things can change uh drastically the oilers now fifth in points percentage with uh florida being at 761 rangers 750 toronto 729 calgary also 729 and then the oilers 727 so a, a win or a loss in or by a few teams in one evening can uh, can jumble things around a little bit. So uh, Calgary now ahead of Edmonton by uh, three points. Oilers have two games in hand, but the points percentage fla- favors the Flames as well. They're going to play next on December 27th. Already looking forward to that one. Six-game homestand for the Oilers starts on Sunday. 4.30 face-off show game at 6 as they take on the Los Angeles Kings at Rogers Place. Get more on this game on 630chet.com, Global News. Ca. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Tentacle team wins it 4-3.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.